In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello everyone, happy new year. Welcome to Private Parts Podcast. I hope you all had an amazing new year. Hope you're all feeling a little bit more refreshed. I hope all of those things. Now, today I'm really excited because we have one of Great Britain's most decorated Olympians, Max Whitlock on the podcast. Max is an amazing guy. Really exciting because this year the Olympics are in Paris, 2024. He's teeing himself up for it. This is going to be his fourth Olympics, which is completely unique and rare, which is going to be amazing. We talk about winning mentality. We talk about mental health. We talk about what it takes to become a champion. We talk about the Olympics. We talk about so many different things. It's unbelievable. He's an incredible guy. He's an incredible athlete, an incredible Olympian. And it was a pleasure to talk to him on the podcast. So you're really going to enjoy this one, especially in the new year. And you're teeing yourself up for new for 2024. This is a big one. Okay, listen, remember, we're also on social media at Private Podcast. We're on YouTube and TikTok as well. You can check out all the videos. Please enjoy today's episode with the one, the only, Mr. Max Whitlock. Max, welcome to Private Parts. I've been really excited about this. Yeah, no, so am I. I. To be honest, I love a podcast. I think it's good to just sit, have a nice, chilled conversation, a chat. So I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. I was listening to some of your podcasts that you've done and things you've done. You speak very much about like how you'd like talking about things now. And like not now, but like you like having that sort of therapeutic aspect to it. Yeah, yeah, I suppose I do. And I think it's almost been a bit of a learning curve for me through the experiences I've had over the, the years, especially kind of the last couple of years. But I think it's because I suppose you I suppose you, you build a lot of confidence when you just chat to people and you're just almost more open and honest within yourself. Mm. It makes you more comfortable with yourself. And that's what I found massively. I think I think for my whole life, I've almost just not really spoke about how I felt, held everything in for, for, for almost what feels like forever. So it almost feels massively refreshing just to be able to just chat and just be open and honest and just 
have some good conversation. I'm a bit like that as well. Mm. Like I, I actually went through a stage of being much more open. Now I've gone back into a stage of not being that open. And really? my yeah, yeah, weirdly, and my wife. <laughs> my wife said to me yeah congrats that's new isn't it yeah yes yeah, 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 thank you so much it's like yeah three months in which is great nothing changes <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> apart from you have a contract <laughs> exactly the same but she said to me she was like it's almost like you don't understand your emotions anymore and sometimes i think when you're so focused on something like being an athlete when you're mm. so in it sometimes all of the other stuff gets put to one side and I think that's a little bit what's happened to me recently. Do you, Do you think? Re yeah, a little bit, I think. I think I haven't been focusing on myself that much. It's hard, isn't it? I think um, like we spoke about before we come on as well, like when you've got social media and that plays a part and you have views of other people and you have you almost have like what comes into your head of like maybe how you, you should feel during this or... I don't know. I think I think it's kind of hard to sometimes just sit back and just reflect on what you've done and actually think about you know, going and staying in your lane, but just progressing and not worry about what anyone else is doing. Yes. And I think that's, I suppose, throughout my career, something that I suppose that I've learned massively. I think when I started to kind of watch everyone else and almost feel like I'm not far enough along with a certain aspect of my life or, you know, I'm not doing good enough in, in, in so many different topics, then I think that it makes it really, really difficult to feel content with what you're doing. And I think mm. that, you know those those outside aspects for for me really hindered how I was at a point. I think you get to a point where you feel like it doesn't actually matter. You know, if you just focus on what you are, what you're doing, and where you're going, I think that can make you feel a little bit more content on what you're doing. It's hard. Though. See, it that is, is hard. that is a, so to be so to be sort of honest about it. I suppose because this podcast is about being honest. Um, I think that's what I've been struggling with most recently. Mm. Actually, not struggling, but I think what happens is right is that. Um, we we have a blueprint, whatever that is, and yeah. the blueprint can be being the best athlete, winning gold medals. You know, that's your one, but that's what you wanted. My one was something else, whatever it is. And then you get to a certain age, not everything adds up to what you think it was going to be. Mm. And then you do start doing that thing. You start looking left and right at what everyone else is doing. And you suddenly go like, oh, hang on a second, they're doing that. Oh, hang on a second, they're doing this. Hang on a second. And then you start comparing yourself massively. Yeah. to everyone and that i really think is the sort of it's the first it's the death of creativity because then you start to fear failure more because you're massively yeah massively right yeah um and you also are focusing on someone else's life success whatever it is that has no meaning to yours which is crazy crazy it? but it's so easy to almost fall into that trap and I like I'm, I'm guilty of it i've done it so many times which so just sounds like you have as well but it's just so easily done in this day and age when everything's plastered everywhere. And almost it's, as we know, it's the good stuff that's plastered everywhere. So it's very easy to look at yourself and just think negatively. But actually, if you just take yourself out of that sometimes, which is easier said than done, and just actually focus on where you're going, what you're doing, reasons why you're doing it. I think there was, you know, times where it was well before my first Olympics and I was a young gymnast and I was kind of looking around, looking at all these older gymnasts and I didn't care of, of age. Age wasn't a factor for me. I just wanted to if I was competing in that competition, I needed to compare to those guys. And I was looking around and I was seeing what I was doing and I just felt so like rubbish over myself because I felt like I'd never even compare at any point in my career. I just wouldn't be able to do it. And it's because I was just looking at what everyone else was doing instead of actually just focusing on what I needed to do and where I wanted to go. And that was kind of a hard rut that I fell into and almost um, one, of the, one of the two times in my whole career where I actually felt like I didn't want to do gym anymore. 
because of outside sources, which is crazy. But when stuff gets into your head, your head is a powerful, powerful thing. And it just, yeah, can switch your mindset instantly. I, I want to get into everything because I'm just so like, when you do podcasts like this and you sit with someone who's just had the sort of celebrated career that you have, it's, I have like almost too many questions <laughs> that I, I get over because I like dance around the place on it. You know, one of the things I just want to talk about before we go back is, um, uh, the c comparison and things like that did you was there a person or someone or uh people that you looked at that were like hey i am now comparing myself to them and that becomes hard because you you achieved so much you 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 got gold medals you were just killing it and so therefore when you reach the peak the sort of only way that is is back down right because then you you you're not you can't win better than the gold olympic games and that's quite hard at times so who are you comparing yeah. yourself to um i think everyone around you and it is it's the thing that's difficult because you're never going to be at the highest level you want to be in every single aspect so i think what you start doing is almost like being too hard on yourself and this is what i found I was being too hard on myself in aspects that weren't my strong points instead of focusing on my strong points it was like just for for pure example that's come to the top of my head mm. is social media. I find it so hard, so hard to keep up with it. I think like it's like a full-time job in itself. Mm. But then you look around and you think, this person's doing this and about managing to post this much and do this. And it's just like, yeah, you just gotta sit killer. back and just think like, just what do, what do I enjoy doing? What do I like doing? And, and where where are my strong points? And what can I improve on? And I think I think that's the most important. I almost got obsessed with it, almost uh, the the want to improve myself more and do and learn as much as I possibly can, which is a great thing. Yeah. But I think trying to stream like that is is the tough job. I think that's really hard. But I think back back to your point. I suppose that I know I'm jumping a bit there, but back to your point of thinking that I've won Olympic gold and I feel like it's down from there. I think a lot of people look at it like that. But actually, I've looked at it very, very differently. So I've looked at it you know, when I got my first Olympic gold or my first World Championships gold. I actually felt like it was only upwards because I felt like I'd done more than I ever dreamt of achieving in, in the sport. And then I felt like everything else was a huge bonus. So I was only working on building like I'm a true believer of success breeds success. So I, I had my successes there at a young age. And for me, it was only positive because now I have the opportunity to build on it. And I had the opportunity to try and retain titles or do more. So I think that- That's, a good, that's mm, the best way to look at things. Yeah, I think that helped me kind of get, keep going, keep, keep getting results. Cause I see a lot of athletes. I think, I think the hard thing is, 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 is knowing how to react from a successful moment. I think a lot of people talk about, you know, what happens after what's seen as a failure or people make mistakes, but actually what happens after a successful moment is actually just as important. Because I know it sounds obvious, but you can either not get any more results or continue on that trajectory. Mm. But actually, it's what you do that actually determines where you go. I think that is a really great attitude to have. Is mm. I, and I and I and I totally relate to that. I think that what happens is is that we achieve our goals or we achieve whatever it is, and actually we then the sort of benchmark just goes further. Okay, what else can mm. I? I need to do more now. I need to do more. But actually, achieving it and then just everything else is a bonus yeah that, that's that's a great way to, it, and it almost relieves pressure in a way it's probably why i do it um to be really honest because i think pressure ramps up as soon as you get a result or successful whatever it is you're expected to do it every single time pressure ramps up every single time and the more you do the more pressure you're under and i think i suppose that's probably naturally the reason why i have looked at it like that but i've also 
feel lucky to be a part of something that I just, I've done from seven years old that I thoroughly just love, love being a part of. I love being like being a gymnast. I love being an athlete. I feel very lucky to be a gymnast. So almost when it comes to, I've got these results, mm. it feels amazing, but feels very surreal to me at the same time. Cause I just done the sport because I enjoyed it. Mm. They've come along and I've almost thought I could just kind of try and keep enjoying that process. Um, of just loving what I'm doing. When you're seven years old and you go into the gym and mm. you, when I was seven years old and I went into a gym, <laughs> I think I picked up like a badminton racket and I went for it. <laughs> what was, how did you start to ease into this place to become a gymnast? So I was originally doing swimming. My brother done swimming. He's mm. like four years older than me. And he, he, at that time, he was a brilliant, brilliant swimmer. So I just naturally kind of just followed in that, in that pathway. And then a friend, friend from the swimming club come up to me and said, actually, like, you should come along and try gym. He done it and uh, it was in the same sports center. So it was almost a bit of luck, but he said like, try a few skills on the floor. Like, my mum said he said to try like a cartwheel and almost like a lift a handstand. And my mum said I could just do it. So he was like, okay, you need to get into the gym. Sorry, <laughs> I, 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 can't, the, I can't remember it obviously, hell? but yeah, apparently I could just pick up stuff. So he was like, okay, you need to come into the gym. So I did and literally loved it. Like. I feel like I, from a young age, and I see it all the time now. Like I'm, I'm part of a gym where we have two-year-olds up to me who's 30 years old, and I see it all the time where you know, kids come in and they just get hooked on it. It's a sport that you're just constantly, constantly learning. Every single day you go into the gym, you learn something, and especially from a young age, it's just so constant. So that sense of achievement is mad, mm. and I think kids, especially, just you thrive off that. Yeah, it, it, that sense of achievement is amazing because I had that. I, <laughs> I did a dancing show. Um, that, I did the show called Strictly Come Dancing. Right? Yeah. I, I had no dance experience whatsoever. Yeah. And I really don't. You've done quite well on it, didn't you, though? I got to the final. Yeah, much. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Quite well. Couldn't do better, really. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the what I learned from it, right, which is. I, I was. I was. A, I played a lot of sport when I was a kid, right? So rugby, yeah. running, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but doing something like this sort of dancing show, what it makes you realize is that you get given a routine or you get given a technique or whatever it is, much like sort of in, in, in gym. And you can't do it, 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 you can't do it. It's like learning a new language. Can't do it, can't do it, frustrated, can't do it, can't do it. You get in your yeah. head, I can't do this, can't do this. Th day three or day two, you slightly get it. Ah, oh, I see it now, I see it now. And that set, as you said, that sense of achievement is wild it yeah. makes you realize in life that if you really push yourself and commit to something it doesn't matter what it is matter, playing the flute or driving a form one car whatever it is you you can achieve it if you really go for it and 100%. that was i think the most rewarding thing weirdly in my life really yeah i think so the sense of that you can achieve something if you really put yourself to it yeah yeah i i couldn't agree more and i think when you have that from a very young age all the way through, like I've been a gymnast 23 years. When you have that constantly, I think you're gonna get hooked on something. I think that's, I suppose, why now, yeah, I'm almost obsessed with learning more, trying to do more, trying to expand on what I can do. Because that sense of being productive or being able to do more, learn a new skill or do something new. I think that's something that I suppose, even as I'm getting older now, now that I'm almost reducing my hours in the gym because I'm getting older, 
I'm fine. for injury reasons. So you don't want to get, you don't want to strain your body as much or what? Uh, just for longevity. I suppose from a really young age, when I was in school years, I used to come out of school three days a week, 12 o'clock, drive to gym, get to gym for one o'clock um, when my mum would take me. Um, I'd train from one until eight and then I'd get home at nine. And yeah, Sorry. and I'd be training six days a week. So then, what? The <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, you're eight years old. So basically, I, no, it built up to that. So I'd say, I'd say from seven years old, I started in a recreational program, and I was probably doing one hour a week, and then it basically built up really, really quick. So then, when I was probably getting to ten to twelve years old, I was probably doing 15, 20 hours a week. This is kind of estimating. And it just builds. And then when you get into school, years it goes more. So when I get into secondary school, then I start coming out of school three days a week. And that's where it ramped up to those 35 hours a week. And then, yeah, I almost kept that level for a solid block. And I think that's a solid block where I really built my foundation in sport. But then you get to an age where then you have to start tapering off. And it's almost trying to make that call on when that is the right time to do that is really difficult. Makes that sense of, that sense of commitment at such a young age. I know, I look back now and think it's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I know, I know. But what are the, talk to me about that because what are the what are the positives? What does it teach you, but what are the negative sides of it as well? I think, I think the positives that you don't even think about, like being a, being involved in gymnastics are just ridiculous. I think, I think it's a sport that it's a full body sport. Like you work out, you do a full body workout every time you step foot in the gym. So you mm. go in, if you walked into our gym now, you'd see 12 year olds that are shredded. And yeah, honestly, and the stuff they can do is mental. So I think that what it teaches you is amazing. And then like physically, but mentally what it teaches you is is really impressive as well. Working in teams, working as an individual, working about like learning. Resilience, through, all that Resilience, stuff. like yeah. working through mistakes, failures, you do competitions a lot. You're in environments where you feel uncomfortable, so you gain confidence in, 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 in these uncomfortable environments. So I think being involved in sport in general is amazing, but gymnastics, I'd literally say it's one of the best starting sports because it just gives you a platform that you can go anywhere. And that's that's what I truly believe. But you do all of that as a youngster, obviously not thinking about that. Yeah. But I think what it does is then when you realize when you're older, it's just almost give you this platform that's completely set you up, which is incredible. Yeah. And I think I do look back and think now that it's, yeah, that the commitment then, and I didn't think too much when I was doing it is, is, is crazy. Those hours as a youngster was, was mad, um, but I loved it. D does it sacrifice social life or things like that? Yeah, I think there's no point and there's no getting away from the fact that it, it does yeah. slightly. Um, it sacrificed kind of education in, in, a, in a small way. My school were massively supportive, which I was really lucky with because I used to then free up. So I dropped some lessons in secondary school to then free up. So that's a free lesson to catch up on what was classes, the more important, more important lessons. Um, so there was ways that I was doing. I remember just trying to- That means to, drama was dropped. <laughs> well, my art was dropped. I actually really liked that art, but I couldn't go on the, the art trip, so I couldn't do the, the GCC for it. So, um, yeah, um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think I think it's it, it can be seen as a sacrifice, but actually, at the time, yeah, some points maybe got a little bit frustrating because I couldn't go with my mates after school. Mm -hmm. But actually, where I was going to, I loved as well. I was going to the gym where I caught up with my other group of mates and actually had fun in the gym, learned loads and felt good about what I was doing there. So yeah, on one hand, you can see it's a very small sacrifice, but it, at the time, it just didn't feel like that really. Amazing of your parents. Yeah, that's another thing that I think back and just think it was crazy, yeah, absolutely because, crazy. Because that, there's sort of, there's dedication to your kids, right? 
in lots of ways yeah. love support whatever it is but there's a difference when you have a kid who's a an olympic athlete potential and you have to you potential have to, is an interesting word though isn't it it's yeah for it's, sure it's like that yeah because you don't know you, you don't just, you don't know there could be injury they may give up they may get distracted they may not be good enough exactly lots of different things <laughs> imagine it like they give all this time like driving me to gym um out there waiting for seven hours and coming back hour back and then i just thought one day i'm just done like can you imagine that i think it's crazy but yeah i feel very very lucky you know i had a supportive school i had a supportive family and i feel hugely hugely lucky that they were able to commit that because i wouldn't be here with these results or potentially not even doing the sport if i didn't have that commitment from my family and the people around me is it expensive to do it as well is there is there a cost to training that hard and being that resilient and doing 35 hours a week um i feel like as a sport it's it's good when it comes to costing i feel like it's uh it's an affordable sport which is nice yeah um i suppose it become more expensive when you when you add the the travel costs in at that time i think yeah there yeah i suppose there probably was challenging times when I think that's probably why my mum stayed there for seven hours and stuff like that. I mean, she yeah, she enjoyed the social side and there was other parts to it. But I think driving to gym an hour, hour back, hour kind of every single six days a week, two hours of driving just to get me to training, it tots up. So I think we added a lot yeah, but more. I can costing, see the way but, you're thinking that because it's so. It, if you if you had said that to um, a stranger, like when you're a stranger, for you it's just normal. That was what you just did. Yeah. But, but it's but to reflect on it, do you realise how sort of insanely um dedicated that dedication is unique yeah i suppose but like i said i didn't think about it but what was Just driving you the, the the what drives you is it the is it the um a bit cake so if i was going to go deep into this right like and, and pretend i'm a therapist um <laughs> yeah. no, normally normally what drives people right is the sense of like validation for whatever reason there's the sense of like mm. the competitiveness the the sense of um you want to be the best or whatever it is that there's normally a reason for what drives you or gives you that dedication otherwise you get distracted yeah you didn't get distracted and you drove towards it so what where does that drive come from your family seems great you seem great you're yeah. committed so so it, it's it's a it's a rare thing maybe it's just your mind is i think um i hate the fact of giving up on something i hate that fact but i think from a young age first thing was I enjoyed it so it made it made that a lot easier mm. but I think I suppose I like now like I was talking about I, I almost get obsessed with learning more improving and the opportunity to to grab onto that and constantly improve I think I've I, I done the same as what I was saying the, well I see all the every day these these young children get hooked on the sport and obsessed with it in a really really positive way I'd done the same because I was just constantly improving the sport and I suppose when you do that and then you start going to competition there's always something new to do and there's always some new targets that I can try and aim towards or something I can just go after I think I got that and I suppose now what I'm realizing as I'm getting older actually gymnastics brings me a lot of um a lot of sense of purpose mm. which I'm realizing as I get older how important that is but maybe that was the same when I was younger but just not thinking about it in the same way. Do you know I mean, maybe I had the same effect, but just consciously thinking. Do you know what I mean? Mm, I know exactly what you mean. Hold up. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. On the circuit, you must be, you, you were good. People saw you coming to them, they're like, oh, for fuck's sake, he's <laughs> fucking here again. <laughs> it um, must have been. Well, I, from a young age, I think coaches picked me out. I remember one coach said to my mum and dad that they think that I'll be one that goes to the end. But really? that's such a long shot to be able to say that. That's It's such a hard thing to be able to say that because so many children drop out, especially when you get to kind of 14, 15 years old because of the things you're saying and being distracted and different different factors. But I think... I didn't start coming into my own, if you like, as a gymnast until I was probably probably around that age, kind of. What do you mean coming into your own? Actually, I suppose bringing in, starting to kind of get up there with results. I think I was good when I was young, really young. Mm -hmm. And then I think I was, I went through a long period of time um, that my parents actually talk about where I was always on the outside of the teams. I was always not kind of getting in there. I wasn't kind of, and making it into that kind of main the group. Main group. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden it just started to click. And I think um, that probably wasn't for quite a long time. Is that puberty though? Is it because you became stronger? Is it because you became something changed? Um, I just think people progressed at different different rates. Yeah. And I think that's that's what it was for me. And I think then I just started to come in. I, the results started to come a little bit better. My skill level started to increase. Um, almost just started to click and just come together. And I almost then thrived off of that and got obsessed with it, like I keep saying. And then it was almost like a snowball effect, really, completely from, yeah, 16, 17 years old. And then I was, before I know, a couple of years down, later down the line, I'm trying to make my first Olympic Games. And it was just like, yeah, madness when you think about that career. But like, it was, it was just a time where I was just trying to do more every single time. And, and everything keeps moving because at the beginning, I imagine you're just in the gym and you're trying to do whatever move it is. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, well, someone says, well, you can go to the Southwest Championships, whatever it is, right? And you're great and you go to that. And then suddenly, suddenly, you know, the, you, Great Britain is knocking on the door and suddenly you're going, well, my God, I'm going to go to the Olympics. What happens when that happens, when you start, you're getting picked to go to the Olympics? How does that work? I suppose it was an interesting process because 
in the grand scheme of things, when I was working towards London 2012, the first Olympic Games I had the opportunity to go to. Man, oh, that is just Yeah, London was, was crazy. I felt, yeah, lucky. I home what games. were you? You were 10? <laughs> <laughs> so I was 19. I was 19. And, uh, but in the grand scheme of things, I was really inexperienced as a gymnast because I hadn't done a world championships before it. Yeah. Um, I'd done a, done like some European championships and the Commonwealth Games, but that was kind of about it. Um, so I think working towards that, yeah, I was literally, I was set on, as we got closer, I was set on, yeah, I want to make that team. I need to make that team. Um, and was doing lots of comps and a lead up to it. Um, an interesting point is that I was actually, I was told by this team selector that that wasn't my cycle. Um, almost to say that yeah, we, we don't want you for this team. You're not going to be picked for that selection. Mm. Um, and that almost just spurred me on massively to make sure that I need to make that team even more now. Because I think one thing that I've really... You hate rejection. Yeah, and I, I love proving people wrong as well yeah, on yeah, the flip yeah. side of that. And I think um, I've almost had that throughout my whole career. So I think that was almost the first real, real hit of that. Um, and then I, I went to competitions and I actually made mistakes. I made mistakes in three competitions in a row. Um, and I thought I'm going to make the team and it come to it. Yeah, obviously making the London 2012 team, I mean, you get the call. Um, yeah, it's just a surreal moment. And I suppose, like like oh I said, I was 19. God. I was so young. The opportunity to do a home games, you'd oh, never want to miss out on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, so I remember being told that I'm, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to make that team because it wasn't my cycle. And then when I did make the team, I was told, um, that I probably wouldn't meddle on the bum horse. That was my kind of strongest piece. Um, so you told all these things and stuff like that. But for me, I just, I suppose it goes into that. Yeah, thing that's that self-belief. Yeah, yeah, I suppose in a way, but I almost, I had my targets that I wanted to try and do. And do you know what? I was young and experienced. I just had nothing to lose. I think that was a real big naivety. different mindset. It's the naivety. Yeah. It's your biggest weapon. Completely. Because you're just like, and I say this to so many people, naivety is your biggest weapon because it, you don't care about... The failure. You're just like, you have nothing exactly. to lose. I'm just going to go for it. And a nothing to lose mindset in a pressure environment like a, like the Olympic Games is so powerful. So powerful. Going in there just thinking, I'm going to give it my best shot. If it goes to plan, it goes to plan. If it don't, look, I'll try again next time. And that is, is really powerful. And I think that's the luxury of being young and inexperienced. So I had that luxury in London. And going out there and just competing in front of a home crowd was crazy. Absolute crazy, the whole experience of I it. I really just got nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I just stopped thinking about it. Uh, yeah, I remember, I remember. When, when you're standing there mm. and it's the pommel, right? And you're, you're standing yeah. there and you're, you're breathing in, you're breathing out and you're about to go into your routine. Yeah. You're in London, you know this is- It goes quiet in this packed out arena. <sighs> like, yeah, the feeling is crazy, crazy. And you have to be perfect. You you, you 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 can't you have to you you, you it's it's your time all of that practice mm. all of those moments all of those little you know thirty five hour weeks leading to this moment for this yeah. I don't know how long the routine is a minute two minutes yeah just over a minute probably yeah and it all comes down to that and I think that's something that I suppose it's so easy to look at it like that but there's something I try hard not to think about like you like because all that does is just literally pile pressure on in that moment so I think it's just thinking about the process. You know, it's obviously, it's hard when it goes quiet. It's all, you can almost feel all, all eyes on you and you put your hands on a pommel horse and it just, everything just feels real in that moment. It's just like, you just go, and you go through the routine. But it's <sighs> it's it's madness because it almost, you, you almost get into this crazy zone where you, you're in this packed out arena 
but you can't really hear much. Like it's just so weird and it's so hard to explain. But in that moment, it's just a really surreal feeling. And when, if it goes to plan, the, the sense of like, the, the emotions that hit you like a ton of bricks, like the sense of relief, just this, it's just crazy. When you land it, mm. and then you go like, and you, in your head you go, I oh, fucking smell that. <laughs> <laughs> How yeah. great is that feeling? It's an amazing feeling because like you say, I think that's when it sets in and you think like, all of that work that you put into that and it actually went to plan, like it done it, I done it. And then you can actually start to relax because it's out of your hands. But it's hard because you can't fully relax because then it's out of your hands and into the judge's hand mm. and have a compare's hands to see where you place. But then if you've done a good job, there's nothing more you can do. And I, I think in London 2012, we had a different dynamic as well. And I think it goes back to a similar point I was saying about how you react from from gain, gain, gaining success. So we had just won our, we won our first team gymnastics medal. I think it was, I think it was in 108 years or something like that. Mm. I should know this, that's my memory so bad, so, so bad, but it was something like that. So I feel like I just, I was holding my first Olympic medal and we got it as a team, which is an incredible feeling. And I almost just felt like that, exactly the same as I was saying earlier, is that oh, I move forward now, a pummel final and it's a bonus. And it just, everything from then almost just then, you know, you go, go and give your best shot. And I've been trying to keep that mindset. Yeah, you got to. Trying, and it just gets increasingly more and more difficult as the years go on. But if you keep that mindset, it can be powerful. It's it's really hard because I think I think a lot of us, or a lot of people struggle with that, where um, you sort of think like, and that, that is the mindset to have is that, just that bonus. I just want to reflect on that because I think it's so important. It's where you achieve whatever it is mm. and you've been teeing up, whether that is, um, I don't know, buying a house or you, you want to get married or you want to have kids or you want to get a certain job or a promotion or you want to make the football team. And then when you get it, it's almost like you're not, satisfied enough it's like okay what's next and it's quite hard especially in your industry to not to to be to live in that to be present how hard is it to be present it is hard i think that's an interesting point i think because i hear that so much that you could work towards something and dream of achieving something and then you actually do it and it doesn't feel that great i i get it i get it but i think i don't know it's a it's a really tricky one and i feel like I don't struggle with that as much. And I feel like I haven't struggled with being, I suppose, being present as much and like almost just living in a moment for that because I don't, and my, and my wife talks about it a lot, I suppose, because I'm I'm not so, so like emotionally attached to this this medal type thing. So I'm attached to the, the targets and the, every, everything like that and wanting to do more. I'm finding it hard to explain, I suppose, but it's it's not attached to that one single thing. And I think that's I think that's what's helped me move forwards after achieving a result. Because if you sit on that one single thing and then think, oh, it didn't feel as good as what actually it should have felt, or anything like that, it's really hard. And then how do you move forwards from that process? Because you feel like you're in a rut. So for me, I feel like I thrive off working towards that target massively. So that's why I'm, you know, that's why I kind of love training. I love that process of it because. You must love that routine as well. Yeah, massively. I've learned that a lot. I love the routine, I love the process. I love like trying to achieve something. I think that's it. I like working on like almost a project basis. I love working towards something. And I think that's probably what's helped me throughout the many years move on from results and move forwards from them because I, it's not all about that one thing. And it, when it comes. Yeah. You're like an engineer. 
you're, what you're doing is you're building a sort of machine and then you have the end result at the end and then you go okay fine we've done that that's great let's move on now there's next completely machine. yeah that's what completely it, it's really interesting and typically as humans that's what we really need mm. humans we 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 need routine and we need working towards something yeah um and yeah. actually things sort of start to fall down when we don't have that real purpose yeah which is what i learned completely after the recent olympics like that's where i feel like i had my biggest learning curve because all of those things that i talk about was was great up until that kind of point after tokyo and that's where i completely struggled with all that stuff that we're saying like just felt completely lost completely just you know in a rut and didn't know how to deal with it because all this time all these like i went to london olympics i went to rio olympics and it was all fine and dandy keep going keep pushing on through and all of a sudden tokyo done and it just hit me like a ton of bricks and i was literally at standstill and it was almost something I just couldn't deal with, basically. But exp explain explain that to me. So, so what what did you feel? Was it anxiety? Was it low mood? What, what were you feeling? So, if we, if we put it into perspective, so London twenty twelve, I had I, I finished the, the the event. I come off. I had three weeks off, and I, I always had the mindset of after a major championships like that, I give myself time to have a really good that kind of fire in my belly, the itch to kind of the, the motivation to then get back in the gym. I wait for that. After London 2012, it took me three weeks, completely out of gym, and I was back in. After Rio, it took me three months, so it was a bit longer um, for that process to like literally set in and me to be ready to go back in the gym. And I'm really patient with it. And my coach has learned that how I work as well. And we work really well together with that. Um, so he's not like on my back, like saying when you're coming in and stuff like that. But after Tokyo, it was just really, really different. Um, so I come back and I'd I'd made a decision to stop. And for, I suppose for my whole career, 23 years, I'd wanted to carry on for as long as I possibly can. Mm. I wanted to see where I could get to and where I could go to and how long I could keep my body in this shape and keep going as a, as a gymnast at that level. But it instantly, I got that result. I retained my title, obviously over the moon, come back and then I made a decision just to stop. And I was like, for three months, it was, it felt like complete freedom. Mm. I had no ties. I had no ties with times or anything in my day. I just had complete freedom. And I loved that for a short period of time. And then it just hit me like a ton of bricks. So I remember sitting on the sofa talking to Leah, my wife, and just saying like, I feel like a complete like waste of space. I feel like absolutely useless. And because of my whole career, I've looked forwards. And I, like you like you saying, like I get a result and I just think what's next. I'd done the exact same thing in that moment. But the problem was in that moment, I didn't know what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go. Mm. So I didn't, it didn't matter, matter that I just retained Olympic gold. It didn't matter at all because that was done. It was behind me. Um, I felt just completely useless moving forwards because I didn't have a plan. I didn't have these targets. I didn't have something that was just giving me that real sense of purpose. And I felt completely lost, completely. Yeah, it's awful. It's horrible, man. I I, I, I think a lot of people can break that. And I know I've been through periods in my life mm. where I've, I've definitely, that sense of that sense of failure and you're just like, oh, like what's what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? Yeah. It's, 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 it's when you lose that sense of purpose and it's quite hard to get out of that. Takes really a, it, it really it takes a while, and and the and the hardest thing is which which I had when I was in those moments, um, because you're because since the age of seven you were so focused on results, whether it was doing a move or winning a medal or entering a competition or whatever it was, and then you don't have that you're you're it's splat that's it it's like well hang on what is my yeah, 
and also you're so young. And then you're thinking, well, I've got a whole life. Let's if I'm going to feel like this. I know, it's a scary thought. It's scary. And also when you've never been through it before, and I know, again, a lot of people listening to this who are in it or have experienced it, when you're in that moment, you never think it's going to end. You think, well, this is me now. Yeah, because you feel stuck. You feel stuck yeah. in this rut that you just like, and I suppose, that, yeah, when you talk about that, I suppose the scary part was that I was, I felt like I was in this rut. And I almost knew that if I did, if I if I ate slightly better, yeah, I might feel a little bit better. If I exercise, because I did no, no exercise, nothing. Nothing. If I exercise, yeah, that would probably make me feel better. Um, like if I did these things and I was like, if I get some type of structure or routine or anything like that, yeah, it'd probably help. But actually I wasn't even interested. Like no I motivation. Felt, I felt, you know, and I, I'd only probably struggled with motivation like twice in my whole career. And over a 23 year span, that's crazy. Like I felt motivated pretty much the whole kind of, that whole kind of journey. And then I was in a position where I couldn't handle it because I was, I had no motivation at all. I felt so, so low, felt useless, felt like a waste of space. And I wasn't even willing to do those three things that would even pick me up a little bit. Now that's just crazy, yeah, absolutely but, crazy. But it feels now, it feels like insane burnout. It, it yeah. feels like a huge amount of bur burnout. It, you know, people go like, and, and people throw around, throw around the sort of term burnout a lot, just go, oh, I feel a bit burnt out. When you have a severe burnout, mm. all motivation goes, you really can't be bothered to anything. You, you, you can't really see the future. You, you sort of think, what's the point? Yeah. And, and yeah. It, it's, it's, and you don't understand why. And you can't grasp it from anywhere. No. And that is, yeah, it's a crazy feeling that you feel like, like you say, you're just, just stuck in. And I think, I suppose there was loads of different factors. When I look back now, there was loads of different factors that kind of made me fall into that rut. But I think one of them was, I think pressure, when we talk about pressure, I think pressure is very normal and you have to be able to deal with pressure in, in any walk of life. Mm. We, all, we all know that and we all get different pressure in different ways. But I think I kind of experienced that pressure for, for many, many years and it was almost just on this upward curve. And then I, find, I suppose I experienced expectancy that was literally just plonked on top of it when i as soon as i got the my first olympic gold in rio it was almost like every single time i stepped foot on a stage or any competition no matter what level it was i'm expected to produce that and it anything less than gold was Man. because at 2018 i had i done europeans at the beginning of the year and i done the worlds at the end of the year i got a silver in the europeans and i got silver in the world championships and I was seen as perceived as I failed the whole year. And it's crazy. Are you serious? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's madness. By who, the public? Yeah, yeah. It was perceived in, yeah, to the public that it was, yeah, I'd failed because I got silver. And it's like 10 years before that, I would have absolutely jumped at a silver medal yeah, in yeah. Europeans and Worlds. Like, but it's just, yeah, when expectancy hits in, if you're not, not if you don't perform and do what you're expected to, to do, you seem as a failure, and that's where but, it's hard. But then, Max, because that's tricky, right? Because what you're saying is also is that, like, you you also don't care about you you do care. You, you you don't you were saying you don't care as much about the medals. Yeah. You care about the sort of achieving and getting to the point. Yeah. But actually, at the same time, you then felt an external pressure in order to get the medals. Yeah. So and that's a hard thing to do because if you, you you feel like you have the weight of the the country on your shoulders that means yeah and I did feel like I had a lot of weight on my shoulders at that point and I suppose that's where 
I suppose I learned a lot in that in that period of time. And when we talk about kind of just focus on yourself and doing what you're doing, I think that period of time I can massively reflect on those feelings now have taught me those lessons hugely. And that's why I feel so much more kind of just confident and comfortable in myself now because of those experiences. So I do look at them massively positively. Um, but I think all of those things that, all of those kind of aspects that set in and the external pressure, the expectancy and everything, that played a, a strong part in, I suppose, the reason why I wanted to stop at that point. The reason why I literally went, and switched and changed my mindset I had for the last 23 years to actually say that I'm done. I think it was me moving forwards. It was the other time where I just didn't believe in myself. I feared moving forwards, I feared failing um, and not kind of producing results I was expected to. Okay guys, that is the end of part one. Now, all you gotta do to listen to part two is click over to the episode that says part two with Max Whitlock, wherever you're listening to this podcast. 